0: Good morning, everybody. Well, it's good to be here with you today. We really have appreciated the opportunity to come and uh, just to share with you some of the things that have been happening with SOWAs. Um, and again, I just want to reiterate what Christine has said. Uh, your support has been fantastic over the years, and we so appreciate uh, all of you folk and your continuing prayers and uh, financial support for SOWAs. Now, um, I decided to use a sketchboard this morning because um, this is the heart, if you like, of the SOAS program. Um, And in the level two seminar, we teach the students how to use the board. We have a workshop and we teach them how to do the lettering, and then they have to do a practice message. uh, And then they go out and have the opening meeting where they put into practice what they have learned. And um, it's amazing what. Uh, happens in the transformation of these folk who actually get up and preach in the open air. Uh, and they see people responding, and it's just life changing. There's you no, know, to use a sketchboard and to preach is not easy. Why? Well, you've got so many things to think about. You've got to make sure you put the marks in the right places. you got to remember the message off by heart. You can't have notes. And even those who have been experienced preachers who have done the SOAS training find hard to, you know, in starting off to do the sketchboard message. But I decided I'd I'd do it for you even though I've got to memorize the message and uh, I hope I get through it okay. (laughs) I'm sure we will. In our many years of ministry, I've been in many, many churches in many different countries. And. there are not that many churches that really have impacted us. Now, last year um, we were in a church in Patrick's church, the guy you saw on the screen from the Muslim area in Malawi. He is a pastor, he has his own church and it's called the Everlasting Joy Church. he oh, there's some weird wonderful names, I can tell you. That's not a weird name, but there's some really strange names. But um, it's called Everlasting it Joy Church. Now, even before we got into the church, there was a, an aura of joy around that place. It was just incredible. And when you go into the church, you can sense it. It's almost like as if you can feel it in the air. And when the Pope started singing and worshipping, it was just magnificent. The church was totally full of people. People sitting outside the church as well. And it was just amazing. I said to Patrick, I said to him, Look, your church is aptly named Everlasting Joy Church because there's joy here. And it impacted us so much in seeing a church that really was what its name suggested Everlasting Joy Church. Now, I want us to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Here's a church. They had impact. It was a church that really was an unusual church. It was um, founded early on in Paul's ministry, his second ministry journey. And um, it was a church that uh, really was unlike any of the other churches that Paul had founded or uh, had written to in the New Testament. But the church was founded by Paul as he was um, in Philippi. He had to leave Philippi. He had to come down uh, to um, Berea, to um, Thessalonica, where he he found the church there. He had troubles, he had persecution, he had to leave there and go down to where he stayed in Athens. And uh, in chapter 2 and 3 we have the history really of what happened to Paul and to the the church in Thessalonica. He was so concerned because his ministry in in Thessalonica was not finished. He hadn't yet felt confident that the, the people there who were converted, were able to stand on their two feet in face of the persecution that they would receive and were receiving. So he was very concerned for this church. And so he, he decided he would send Timothy up to Thessalonica to um, find out what was going on to see if the brethren were standing firm in the gospel. And Timothy comes back with a great report and he says, yes, they are. They're standing firm and they're, they're growing in, um, the, 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 um, in their spiritual lives. So Paul's very encouraged with this. He is so thankful that you know, God's been at work and they are continuing to be faithful to the Lord. Now, in looking at this church in verse 3, we see the church um, has some characteristics which are very, very uh, important, is we always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. Now, in verse 7, Paul describes, he says to this church, you are an, an Example. You're an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now that covered the whole of Greece. Of course in AD um, um, uh, in BC 142, the Romans divided Greece into two sections: Macedonia in the north, Achaia in the south. And so they are known by all the believers throughout Greece. So he says. Now you add an example. The title of my message today is... Example. Example two. Follow, oh no, yes. Now, if you can't see the writing, go look at the the green behind, okay, and then the letters will pop out. You'll try and. Look. Read it by looking at the marks, you'll be in trouble. Okay, an example to follow. So he's saying that this church was an example to follow. It was unusual. And you know, we see how in his writing to these, the Thessalonians, how this, um, uh, he had such a love for this church. It was just a precious place to him. In chapter 2, he says they, he was like a mother to them. And he says he was like a father to them. He cared for them. He gave them his own life. And um, he was so, you know, the word uh, brother and sister, in the verses, in the, verses it's just in the um, NIV it just says brother, but in the Greek it means brother and sister. Um, he said that this word appears 17 times in this short epistle. He had a real caring love for this church like no other. And it was like a parent, you know, concerned for their welfare. And uh, it's amazing how this comes through in this epistle. But he says that this church is an example because of four things that I want to highlight from this passage quickly. energetic church. Oh, sorry.
1: No, energetic.
0: In a, in a <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> <was> my subject. <laughs> energetic church. I mean, the words, for instance, here, written, they're all, uh, like he says, I thank God for your Of faith. And he talks about their labour. And endurance. Now, all these are very energetic words, aren't they? They speak of energy being poured out. And this church was full of energy. Now he says I thank God for your work of Faith. When they came to Christ, they came to Christ by faith in Christ. You can't come to Christ through your works, we know that. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ, in Christ alone. And so this is not talking about actually the, 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 the way they came to Christ, it's What happens when they did come to Christ? Then God was working their hearts and their lives. And they were changed people. They were different to everyone around them now. And they were seen now to want to love God and to know God. And to begin to want to serve God. And so this is a whole new concept in the the community of of Thessalonica. People around them couldn't understand how these people had changed from what they were to what they are now. So we're going to serve God and to honour God, uh, the real God, and not be involved in the idolatrous worship of everyone else. And then, labor of what? It, oh, yeah. Work produced by faith heals that character, what we are in Christ and how we are living for Christ. Our labor involves our conduct and we, uh, we have a new relationship with God. He pours His love into our hearts, through which we then pour our love out to others around us. And so there's a work of love going on, a labour of love. The word work in Greek is the word ergos, and it means the fruit of our effort. The word labour, a different word, is koros. That means the, the tears, the effort, the... Um, Sacrifice, all the things that go into, into loving others. Okay. And so these two things were a part of the character of the folk. Now, let me just say this now that in um, chapter uh, 4, the beginning of chapter 4, he talks about the, um, the desire to please God. Just let me read it to you. Verse um, um, 1, we'll just read verse 1 and 2. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as, in fact, you are living now. Now, he says, are living like that now, pleasing God? Now, we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. You see, we never stop learning. We never stop growing. We never stop wanting to go further and further. And we should all have, as Christians, a dissatisfied satisfaction. Amen. We ought to be wanting to grow more and more to please God. Then also it says in, in chapter three, at the end of chapter three, he says, "Now they, now may our God and Father Himself, and our Lord Jesus, um, keep the way for us to come to you." He says, "May the Lord make your love increase and over." Um, and overflow for each other, for and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May He strengthen our hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when we um, when Jesus comes. So, he's saying again that our love, our faith, our, our um, um, being close to God and our labor, our work for God needs to be growing more and more. You know, there's a um, I just heard recently that uh, John Stott had a prayer that he would read every morning in his uh, quiet time. And it goes like this, it says Father may today I live in your presence and grow in the knowledge of you more and more. And then he says, Lord Jesus, may today I take up my cross and follow you. In Holy Spirit, may today you fill me with yourself and allow your fruit to increase in me. It's a prayer we all need to be praying. So we might begin to beginning to grow and to, to, to uh, not begin, but to keep on growing and keep on uh, seeking to show our labour of love, brothers. Now the second thing is that the church was Enthusiastic, yes, enthusiastic. Paul says that for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. We know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, in spite of the se- severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy. Here is say they, actually these people, they had, now Paul had come into, the, into their church, into their midst, and he was now sharing his life with them. He was sharing the gospel with them. More than that, he was teaching them to grow in their, in their new faith. And these believers We were so excited by this. A bit like what a feeling! There was a great now. Desire to, to be like Paul. He was poor. he'd come and he was suffering persecution by the, you know, the, the, those who were against him. And, um, and yet they were still desirous of being like him. He says that, you know how holy, righteous and blameless I lived among you, he says. And they just want to imitate him. He says, also it tells the Lord Jesus Christ, how Jesus suffered and died. And so they were in that situation where now they were so excited about what they had received, their new life. They wanted to just follow Jesus. They wanted to follow Paul and say and do what he was doing and um, listen to what he was sharing with them. I wonder how excited we are about our faith. You know, when I first became a Christian, all was I was excited. I can remember going home with the bus from the crusade meeting and I just had a stand, the bus was full, had a stand for 24 miles and I just didn't even notice the time had gone by. I was just taken up with what had happened in my life. And from the very few you know, weeks afterwards, I was going uh, to talk to the Bible uh, study leader who I was I was going to as a young person. I said, Look, I want to be a Science School teacher. Whoa, woo, woo, wait a minute. You gotta learn some things first. Okay? Cool, down a bit. But my heart was desirous of being able to serve God and I wanted to read the word. I couldn't keep it out of the word of God. It was so exciting to me. I was just so was taken up with it. I wonder how we are today. Now, we can start off well, as Paul says to Galatians, but how are we going now? Are we still excited about being a Christian? Are we? Oh, some. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, in Africa, we, the folk there are so wonderful people. Um, uh, and, and we see many of them coming to Christ and the change is enormous in their lives. And they're just so so joyous, and uh, you know even Christians who have been Christians for many years are still out there really you know enthusiastic about that, what they know and what they believe, and they're sharing it with others. I'm excited by that, but you uh, know here we come back to Australia, and we get long faces in church, you know, and uh, Christians walk around as if. You know, the world's on their shoulders. Oh, my. We need We need to have an uh, awareness that being yeah, a Christian is exciting. It's not a drag, it's not a burden. If it is, then there's something wrong with your Christianity. It's a wonderful adventure with Jesus. So let's really make it so. Just going out to church today, I want to really see some happy faces, some real rejoicing, praising the Lord because this is being enthusiastic. Now, these Christians here are full of joy, even though they were beginning to suffer for their faith. Now, we heard the little story from Naomi and a scripture reading for the, for the um, communion today, talking about suffering. Well, these Thessalonians, Paul warned them, he says in Thessalonians chapter uh, 1, I warned you that you'd suffer. And they were. But what was their their response? Joy. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5? Blessed are they are persecuted for they will rejoice. Amen? Rejoice. Amen. So the church is an enthusiastic church. An example to follow. All right, let's move on. It was also... Listen. Amen. Well, you know, there's some wonderful words here that really speak well of the church. It says, um, And so you became a model or example to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea. We verse 8. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Archaea, your faith in God has become known Everywhere. Everywhere. What a testimony. A testimony. They were living the life and it was being seen by those around them. They see the difference. And this was a real uh, example to all the believers in the Macedonia and Achaia. But now they were, what? Bringing out the message. The word for ringing out is a word that means loud trumpet call, or a clap of thunder. It wasn't something which was just, you know, hidden behind a, oh, you know, um, I you know, don't want to be too loud in what I'm saying. Others might hear me. No, no, no. It was a loud shout, a loud call. Paul was saying that this church is known for its, its openness, and its willingness to share the gospel in any and every situation, in spite of what? The suffering. evangelistic church was going out, was winning people to Christ and it was also doing it not only in Thessalonica but where? Everywhere. And you people are sharing in the winning of souls to Christ in Africa by your prayers and your support. But let's not make that an excuse not to be out there sharing the gospel with others yourself. If Christ means anything to us, we want to share Him, won't we? And we're going to be becoming more and more pressured in our society today. Today, being a Christian is not the norm anymore, it's abnormal. And we're going to be more and more pressured as the days go on, as the years go on. Our children are going to be pressured, our grandchildren but we still need to be sharing the gospel. It's the only hope, it's the only answer for the world as we know it today. Okay, so he's able to follow. They were evangelistic. They were... Sharing what? The good of Jesus. That was they learned from Paul. He says, our gospel came to The message that came from God through Paul. These people, they were chosen to be witnesses to Jesus. So how he's able to follow, <coughs> excuse me. He's able to follow how are we following this example? This is speaking to a church and to individuals. Okay, because Paul does say he talks about encouraging and uh, uh, blessing those individually. to each one of you. Lastly, They were expectant. You see, this was one of the problems in the church. You know, that in Thessalonians there were no theological problems that Paul had to deal with. He had to deal with misunderstandings. One of those misunderstandings was the fact that he talked to them about Jesus coming. And, uh, and they were so excited by this that Someone even decided they're going to up work. Jesus is going to come so soon that they would not need to work anymore. Let's wait to come. So, they step back and they going to be idle. Paul tells us, and other people, other people were concerned because they were worried about their loved ones, those who had died. Would they be hanging up to you with Jesus? Are they going to stay on the ground? So in chapter 4, you know, 12 and onwards, Paul talks about the fact that you know, Jesus comes, without call on trumpet, and he says, the dead in Christ will rise first. Neither they that remain. We're taken up into the clouds together with him. Now they were expecting this to happen in their time. You know? They were waiting for it to happen. They were so troubled by it, but uh, Also, of course, having some issues with the whole concept. Expecting Jesus' return. And this, of course, has a a tremendous effect upon them. Of course, in expecting they return, their endurance was by hope, inspired by hope, in what? Then Jesus returned. That hope it was a certainty, it's not a wishful thinking, the certainty that it was going to happen. When? Now we can endure many things when there's a there's hope at the end, isn't it, can we? You know? Lady who's pregnant and about to bring birth, she can endure the pain, knowing that the the end result's gonna be certain and a great blessing to them. So we have a church that was waiting for the coming of the Lord. And this affects our behaviour as well. Because Paul talks about living in a way that's a blameless life, holy life, a life that's in keeping with the Lord Jesus and and the expectation of his coming. Now, let me ask this question. It's a very simple answer. Is Jesus coming soon? Is Jesus coming soon? Where's the enthusiasm? Come on! Is Jesus coming soon? Yes. How do you know? The Bible tells us exactly, but also, as you see the events taking place today in our world, it must be coming very soon. I mean, I'm not a prophet. I'm not going to say I can say what date because that's not possible. But he's coming soon. Now in first John, John says, you know, not to be ashamed at his coming. When was the last time you thought about Jesus coming? This morning. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Good. Praise the Lord. Okay. You see, we are so taken up with all the things we've got to do, all the pressures on us in our life, we have not got consciousness that Jesus is coming soon. That's our hope. That's our hope. That's our certainty. And we, if we're living, if that certainty, we'll be living lives that are pleasing to God. will not we? Because you don't want to be ashamed before Him when He comes. We need to be living the light of His coming. So here's a church. That's unusual. But Paul says it's an example to follow. Are we following that sort of example? Individually and as a congregation. I'll leave that challenge to you because I can answer that for you. And you can answer that before God yourselves. But let's do what Paul says we are to do. Grow more and more in pleasing God, to grow more and more in our love for others and for everyone else, and to be living day by day the light of His coming. There will be examples to others, examples to our family, examples to our workmates, examples to everyone around us. May it be so for God's glory. Let's pray together. Our loving Father, as you have just reminded us again, Lord, of how we can be able to please you and live for you. Help us, Lord, to see areas in our lives that we need to bring before you and confess. Maybe our coldness of heart, our warmness, that you say will spew out, of our, spew out of your mouths if our love for you has gone cold. We pray, Lord, that we might be challenged to be energetic, enthusiastic, evangelistic, and waiting for your great appearing. Lord, help us, we pray. There might be authentic Christians in this society in which we live, where Christians are looked upon as being weirdos. Lord, may our lives so speak that there will be no one can put the finger of blame to us. O oh, Lord, that they will be willing to listen to us when we speak because our lives back up what we say. Help us, Lord, to be really true, born again, authentic believers. We ask this for your glory, for your own namesake. Amen.